I have kids and I want them to inherit a, a better world than the one that I'm in. But at the same time, this is a tremendous business opportunity. Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA. Thanks so much for listening to the Optimistic Outlook. Can you remember back at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic when people suddenly stopped driving? And all around the world, we saw photographs of gorgeous mountains as seen from cities that had previously been engulfed with smog. Well, that kind of future can be with us forever if we make the switch from fossil fuels to electricity for mobility. Now, some have thought this is a goal that's just out of reach, but my guest today is gonna show us that it actually isn't it. Today we have Vic Shao, he's the CEO of Ampli. They're a Bay Area technology company that's been engaged in this conversion, the, the harnessing of, of renewable energy and the application into charging stations to help fleets of vehicles run on electricity. Siemens earlier this year made an equity investment in Ampli, and we work together on these technology projects because we have a shared view of this more sustainable future that's going to be powered by electricity. What you're going to hear from Vic is a vision for how that future could look, and you're going to hear some really practical steps he's taking now to bring it about quickly. Vic Shao, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Laura, for having me. Hey, over the last decade, we've seen electric vehicles really begin to take off. And despite the slowdown during the pandemic, what we really expect is to see additional growth in the coming decade. But this is way more than a consumer trend. Tell us about how electric mobility can really be transformative for society, creating jobs and, and enhancing sustainability. Whew, that's a doozy of a question. Uh, a lot to talk about in there. Um, I think, look, I mean, I before starting Ampli a couple of years ago, I was an energy storage guy for 10 years. So my last company was called Green Charge Networks, and we deployed a lot of energy storage systems over the U.S. The reason I mentioned that is because over that period of 10 years, the price for energy storage has gone down by a factor of 10. So, um, and Bloomberg New Energy Finance has been tracking this every single year. And literally for the last decade, energy storage pricing went from about $1,200 per kilowatt hour down to today, it's in, you know, at 150 bucks or something like that per kilowatt hour. And that is tremendously impactful. Uh, as it relates to electric vehicles. Um, so consumers, you know, they certainly adopted, Barbara, as you have pointed out. But the pricing, uh, you know, uh, reduction in energy storage, what that also enables is a scenario where businesses and fleets can start to take advantage of electric mobility because now it is becoming economical to operate uh, vehicles for business use. And really the first instantiation of that has been with the transit agencies. So you see um, a lot of transit agencies, not only in the US, but around the world, uh, adopting to, uh, to, to electric buses. Um, and this is becoming now a, a, a trend um, that transit agencies are deploying not for pilots anymore, but at scale, 
um, and they're primarily doing so for economic reasons. Um, and so, Barbara, answering your, your question more holistically, I think uh, what is going to unfold in the coming decade is you know, business use of electric mobility uh, across all segments, but starting from uh, you know, transit. I, men- I mentioned transit because it's a high utilization scenario. It's 30,000 miles on average, and it takes a lot of energy to move one of these buses. And, um, and because and electricity is, you know, on average, half the cost of fossil fuel, uh, it makes sense that the transit space is, is adopting the earliest. But this is, you know, going to be a trend in the coming decade. But but help me understand this transition, because the reason the, the prices have come down, I'm assuming, is because of the underlying technology. Tell us about that. Um, well, the starting from the batteries, um, the under, the technology has becoming has become safer and certainly cheaper. Um, on the technology side, you know there are several factors involved. I mean, these vehicles are more fun to drive than um, than gasoline vehicles. First of all, so there is a great degree of driver adoption uh, for consumers, and starting now with with fleet drivers, um, it is certainly a lot cheaper to maintain. Um, there are a lot fewer moving parts in an electric vehicle than there is in a fossil fuel uh, vehicle. For personal vehicles, we heard a lot about that instant torque and you know the, just the responsiveness of, of the vehicle uh, for drivers when they drive electric. Is the same thing true for those large fleet vehicles you're talking about here? Yeah, and um, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time in, over the last two years in bus depots, in in truck depots, and talking to uh, operators and end customers a- across a wide spectrum um, from from coast to coast. And overwhelmingly, for the drivers that have operated an electric bus, have operated an electric truck, uh, they would just never go back. They don't they don't want to go back to operating you know, diesel trucks uh, anymore. And that's a overarching theme for for anyone that's tried this. Um, and and we, what we've also learned is that um, electric trucks and buses does take a little bit of time to, to get used to because uh, the energy utilization, because there is regenerative braking involved. Um, and so what we have seen is that uh, drivers that uh, that that you know tend to slam on their brakes you know be- before they get to a, a a stoplight or something and they're not taking advantage of the regen braking there is a difference almost of as, as, as big as 20 percent as far as energy utilization um, but what we have seen is that those drivers over time and it's you know within a very short period of time will catch on to regen braking and, 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 and how to operate these new class of vehicles. And that 20% shrinks very quickly over time. Um, so what, what we have seen is you know, drivers adopting to this new technology and learning how to operate it in a very short span of time. That's cool. So that's the vehicle itself. Tell us about the infrastructure that supports the vehicles. Yeah, that's really the challenge in in the industry, I I think. Um, Infrastructure, 
um, our infrastructure is is a big problem, and it's it's one that uh, Amply uh, hopes to tackle um, in the coming decade. Um, you know, look, I mean, diesel pricing goes up or down by I don't know twenty five percent in a in a year. Uh, electricity pricing. Um, especially in expensive markets, could be up or down by 500% in a single day. Um, it's, you know, time of use schedules, demand charges, um, you know, different tariff structures. And we literally have a situation in Southern California where, you know, uh, Southern Cal Edison, uh, there are, uh, there are 3,300 utilities across the country. And in Los Angeles, there are nine that I can that I can think of. And Southern Cal Edison, of course, is is the big one. But it, a lot of cities and municipalities operate their own electric infrastructure. Um, we literally have a scenario where right across the street from one another, you know, one depot versus the other, uh, in in different ter- utility tariffs territories, the peak electric pricing from two locations right across the street from another is different. One In one location, it is three times more expensive to operate from 1 to 5 p.m., whereas right across the street, the hours for peak pricing is 4 to 9 p.m. So you could imagine, um, you know, that that's like going to a gas station and it could be $3 a gallon or it could be 12. If you are a... Uh, the CFO of a large fleet and you're being asked to transition to, to electric trucks or, or buses and, and, and the team that's coming to you is saying, well, we really can't get a full grasp of the future costs and what it's going to be you know, next week, next month, next year. <laughs> it's going to be really tough for that CFO to order a thousand electric trucks, you know, because they, they got to have a firm grasp on costing. And, um, and so that's, that's the challenge, I think, for the whole industry is to do this at scale and to do this with production intent instead of just little pilots here and there um, and to lock down on the quote unquote refueling cost for electricity um, across these 3,300 utilities around the country. But that's where Ampli comes in. Yeah, that's really our our ambition. Um, Look, I mean, we have seen this movie before. Uh, I I tackled this with energy storage at my last company, Green Charge Networks. Um, The solar industry has has seen this, you know, 10, uh, 15, 17 years ago. Um, and what, ha- what, what transpired across all these scenarios, across all these technologies, is that you have a, de- a project development function. Um, and the project developer is responsible for uh, you know, highest level of service, highest reliability at the lowest cost for, for the end customer. And the contract structure that has really taken a hold is something called power purchase agreement or PPA structure. Um, and under that mechanism, then that uh, the end user, the customer, is buying kilowatt hours at a predictable and, and contracted rate for the next 20 years. Um, and so they have a high degree of confidence of what the OPEX is, what their out-of-pocket uh, costs are, you know, again, you know, every, every year by the year for the next 20 years. Uh, and, and the project developer is responsible for tying together all of the pieces, what hardware to procure, what is the best quality 
solar panel or inverters? And how do you maintain all of this stuff for the next 20 years? And how do you build, construct, permit? Um, you know, all, all of these, you know, CapEx and OpEx related items, the developer is responsible for putting together. Um, and we all know what happened in solar and in energy storage. I mean, once that framework came into existence, the entire industry took off and, and scaled. Um, and so that's really Ampli's ambition is to do the same thing um, in electric mobility. Um, just yesterday, uh, Barbara, the timing for this podcast is tremendous because just yesterday, um, we closed on a 20-year PPA-style contract with Anaheim Transit uh, in Southern California for their production fleet of 46 electric buses at a brand new facility that's intended for 100% electric operations. Um, and so this is, in, I, I could be wrong, but this is, I, I think, the world's first 20-year contract structure for fleet charging services. Um, so we're tremendously excited about it. We, we believe this is the blueprint for the industry to scale. So the idea of a power purchase agreement, in essence, for, uh, for charging really is charging as a service. How does it work? Yeah. So, um, so what Ampli would do in, 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 a, in a project is we will uh, bring the equipment, the installation, um, and, uh, and the permitting, siting, engineering, design. Uh, we'll do all of the upfront work for the customer at our own nickel. Uh, we'll front all of that cost and we'll bring a project to, uh, to COD, to commercial, commercially operating. Um, and f and there on after is when we begin to recoup our cost and to um, and to and and to make a and and to make a uh, project margin for ourselves. So we will own and operate the resulting uh, site for the next uh, you know so many years. We typically sign contracts lengths from eight to twenty years. Um, so we'll operate the project for that period of time at a high degree of reliability and, and fixed cost. Um, you know, our, uh, our promise to the customers typically is, um, you know, 90% state of charge every operating vehicle every 24 hours. So we'll ensure that the charging infrastructure is up and operating for, for that contract duration. It gives that CFO <laughs> in the purchasing organization and our customers uh, a, a sense of confidence that the quote-unquote refueling will, 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 will work reliably uh, every single day and these vehicles will, uh, these electromobility initiative and these new classes of vehicles will, uh, will get refueled and ready for work every single day. Um, and um, and typically we sign these uh, we, we refer to them as charge management services contracts so that's the analogy to PPA um, we we um, we deliver these charge management services uh, projects on a rate that's less than fossil fuel so that 
customer CFO will look at the scenario as okay, we are under contract for the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years at a cost that's less than diesel today. And it's still got that high degree of reliability that I'm looking for. And it's a no brainer. You know, this is exciting. What you're basically doing is is taking the risk off of the desk of whichever customer you're serving. They're not experts in uh, the the electricity they're going to need uh, in order to make this kind of transformation, but you are, and and you're taking that risk off of their desks. You're taking it on yourself, and then you're giving them a very reliable framework that they can count on, and it gives them the confidence to make the transition to a technology that's going to be so beneficial to the environment. Now, I'm curious, so Southern California um, and and really all through California, we're we're beginning to see uh, these goals of transformation. I know that um, California actually recently established a mandate, which we'll make available, make the details available on our uh, website for other people to follow through and look at. But but I wanted to hear your perspective on this uh, sort of this balance of governmental mandates, uh, obviously business incentives. What do you think are the parameters that are needed? What are the many factors needed to help this reach that tipping point and take off? Yeah, well, it's, it's a carrot and, and, and stick approach that California has taken. There are certainly mandates that, uh, that are being implemented, as you pointed out, you know, the clean truck rule um, that uh, the California uh, uh, implemented. Um, but they're also California is also uh, on a legislature level, the CPUC level, uh, really incentivizing um, adoption. So there are a lot of grant programs available to uh, everything from uh, from subsidizing the purchase of the vehicles to subsidizing the uh, infrastructure that's that's required. Um, so you know, California is taking a, a carrot and, and stick level, and even on um, on 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 the point that you brought up about clean truck rule, Barbara, we we've seen that once California comes up with it, a lot of states are following. They're implementing. They're going to be implementing the same set of guidance for their states as well. So, uh, so I don't think California is, is unique in this regard. And, and, and look, I mean, currently, uh, what, is, what is interesting, I would say, about mobility is that uh, with uh, at my last company, uh, with Energy Storage, uh, you know, we were in four states implementing projects in four states for the very longest time. It was California, New York, Massachusetts, Hawaii. Uh, and we were in those states, you know, doing projects uh, for a very long time before we do uh, implement storage projects in more of a wider basis. Um, solar, I would say the same thing happened, you know, the, the, the decade or, or two before that. Uh, but with electric mobility, uh, Barbara, I mean, I would tell you that Ampli is... Uh, is having conversations, doing proposals on the verge of doing some projects in about 20 different states uh, across the country. So that's, to me, tremendously exciting. Um, It points to a technology that is gaining visibility and adoption to a much wider audience uh, than, than it's ever been. So that's exciting. 
That is exciting. I think uh, people really are waking up to the benefits of the emission reductions and the just the, as you say, now the economic benefits of this technology. But I'm kind of curious about the team. When you're working in 20 states, obviously, you have to have a very distributed team. Tell me about them. What what are the skills that are needed in order to be productive in this work? And how do you manage such a far-flung team? Yeah, well, I think all of us are, are learning in, in the times of coronavirus on how to manage remote teams. Um, uh, half of the company is, is software developers uh, in engineering. Um, so we take great pride in, um, in our suite of enterprise-grade uh, uh, software that manages all of the charging assets uh, you know, remotely and across a distri- distributed footprint. Um, and then at the bulk of the rest of the team, uh, other than the admin and executive staff, is, uh, is, is sales and business development. Um, we are a small company, you know, it's, we, we, uh, we, we, we got our Series A funding of just a few months ago. Um, but nonetheless, um, we count a lot on our partners to help us push the message out to the, to the market. Um, so, you know, we, we announced a partnership, uh, I think, towards the end of 2019 with with BYD, which is just about the largest electric bus manufacturer in the world. Um, and we, you know, really rely on them and we do joint sales uh, uh, meetings with them to to a wide variety of customers and, 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 uh, and engagements. But by no means is BYD our only uh, partner. Uh, we have the same level of partnerships with a number of other OEMs across different spectrums of classes of vehicles, as well as, uh, as, well as um, you know, other o- engineering partners, O&M partners. Um, and so we're really counting on, uh, we're leaning on our channels. Uh, to, is, is I think the, the, the real answer to your, to your question, Barbara. We're leaning heavily on our, on our partners to, um, to, to push the message out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, to push the message out, that's for sure. And, and obviously, you're at that stage where you're at the beginning of your growth curve. Um, and it is going to be exciting to see what this means, ultimately, in terms of jobs. I, I'd, I'd be curious to understand a little bit about, um, I, I'm sure that initial installation does take quite a bit of hands-on labor. And then I assume there's at least some ongoing maintenance or even some operations um, uh, is that so? Am I picturing it correctly? Yeah, there, there definitely is. I mean, look, this is this is new technology, and uh, and things will always go wrong when you when you deploy new technology. Um, uh, but that's also, I think, one of the attributes of the of the um, uh, you know charging services agreement that we sign with customers. Is that it's on amply to fix any issues that 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 that, that arise. Um, you know, we do have production customers right now already, and some of the key learnings that that we're taking away so far to date is that um, uh, you know we can we can train the 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 fleet operators as much as as we can, but all but things will always tend to go wrong. You know, we notice that. 
uh, that five percent of the time, um, uh, and it, you know, with some regular occurrence, that uh, that the uh, operator that's plugging in the the vehicles, you know, they something will go wrong. They don't fully insert the plug, and therefore the charging doesn't energize. Uh, and once that happens, then uh, if we or if we allow that to happen, then the next morning the vehicle wouldn't be available for the shift. So, uh, you know, it's, we're all just humans, and we don't do things perfectly every single time. And that's also just you know just it's just a value add that the Ampli software brings into the scenario, so that when those occurrences happen, then we send out alerts, we notify. And we make sure that the problem is addressed before, right there and then, before the next morning, the next shift, uh, you know, comes comes into work. This is the great thing about software-based offerings is that you can quickly make those kinds of changes and deploy them all over the place. Uh, unlike, say, the the warning light in my car for my gas gauge <laughs> if I'm running out of gas. Um, you know, it, this is. This is an interesting time. This is a fascinating time as we come through the pandemic and we see a shift happening with all of us getting more comfortable working digitally. I I think it's going to help more and more of society embrace the software tools that we're going to be using. And we're also truly valuing the environment uh, that, that we're enjoying so much during the summer months with the pandemic. I'd really love to hear your prediction. Uh, as, as this rolls out successfully, I'll, I'll, I'll expect you might even want a little bit of competition in your space to, it, to really enhance uptake and, and get things uh, converting quickly. Um, I'm curious, how do you see, what's your vision of the future when, when Ampli and others have successfully brought commercial fleets online? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Barbara, uh, yeah, I think you brought up the point of job creation um, at, at the beginning of the program. I think that's a key attribute to all of this, uh, really. I mean, we're talking about um, a, a very transformational set of circumstances that's going to unfold in the coming uh, decade. I mean, electricity is cheaper than fossil fuel. I mean, that's just a fact. And it's only going to get cheaper as renewable adoption kicks in. I mean, if you, uh, solar energy, if I could just digress a little bit, I mean, solar and the cost of solar energy under two cents a kilowatt hour, I mean, that's lower than, than I, I forget about building a new coal power plant, but just the cost of the coal itself is more than two cents a kilowatt hour. So, and it, and for solar, it's only gonna get cheaper uh, over time. It, the, the only trajectory is, is downward. So the cost of the underlying fuel is is, is, is cheaper than, than fossil, and it's only gonna get less. Um, that enables a scenario where our society, I think, can transition in a wholesale fashion over the next 10, 20 years to, uh, to electric uh, energy uh, for everything from transportation to heating to cooking to, uh, you know, to industrial processes. Um, 
and that has significant ramifications for society. It's gonna uh, create, you know, millions of of jobs. Um, I, I know that there is a great deal of concern about existing jobs that's going to be taken away as as part of this process, but. I would say even more jobs will get created in the process. So the task for governments and society as a whole is on education and re-education the the workforce in this new direction. Um, but you know, it, it it's going to mean uh, you know reduction in carbon emissions is going to mean cleaner air. Um, you know what is going to happen uh, over the coming ten to twenty years. In my view, is tremendously exciting. That is exciting, and I'll tell you what I hear you articulating is much more than the conversion of mobility. I I sense that you've been in this renewable business uh, right from the get go. And yes, while you're here focused on mobility now, you've got your mind working on many other potential areas of advancement, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Well, thank you for that, Barbara. I mean, yes, there is a part of me that it's doing what I'm doing because of you know renewables, sustainability, and you know I, I have kids and I want them to inherit a, a better world than the one that I than that I'm in. Um, uh, but at the same time, this is, <laughs> you know, mostly a tremendous business opportunity. It's a, it's it's the um, it's the job creation aspects, it's the economic aspects that truly excites me. And you're right, Barbara. It's uh, transportation is uh, is I think what is going to be growing significantly in in the coming decade but you know but it's more than that it is uh, as, as we transition off of fossil fuel into this new fuel called electricity it's going to change you know many aspects of our society as a whole fueled by the sun thank you so much Vic Shao, for being with me today thanks for inviting me and i uh, really enjoyed the conversation Please follow us on social media and on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you for tuning in.